Hello, my name is Shane Brody. I'm a new producer here on KWRK 90.9 FM here in Fairbanks. I have a show called Fairbanks Public Affairs, where I'm talking to people in the community about social issues, political, and now I'm going to talk about the university tonight. I have some guests, and I'm very excited about that, some graduate students, and they're going to talk about their unionization effort. If anybody would like to come on the radio and talk with me, my email address is shane at kwrk.org. So tonight I'm doing a little experiment. Since there's four of us here and I'm using my amateur quality mic, I'm going to actually pass the mic around. We're going to try that. I'm just going to pass the mic to you, and if you could introduce yourselves and uh, tell us about this effort. Hi, I'm Abigail Schiffmiller. I am a graduate student in the Biology and Wildlife Department at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, and I am also on the organizing committee for the Alaska Graduate Workers Association, AGWA-UAW. Hi, my name is Victor Devochupin. I'm also a graduate student at the University of Alaska Fairbanks in the Geosciences Department, and I have been on and off the organizing committee, but very happy to be more involved lately. Okay, great. Hi, I am KJ Janishuk. Uh, I was a graduate student in the English department, but I graduated last year. However, I am staying involved in Agua UAW as an organizer through UAW. Very excited to still get to help organize this union. Okay, great. Yeah, if you ki- if you guys could just go over kind of the history of how how uh, this effort formed, I'd I'd really appreciate that and kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, uh, I am happy to start out as the person here who has been involved in the effort the longest. We began long before we ever went public. It began during the pandemic in 2020, and we had a lot of Zoom calls that first year. But graduate students started speaking to students in other departments, uh, like graduate workers in other departments, for the first time ever almost in like a concrete way. And we realized that the issues we faced in regards to our pay and health insurance, fees, many, many other issues were not something that we had to fight in individual departments, but something we could fight for together. And that's kind of what brought us here today. I don't know if someone else would like to say a bit more about after. Yeah, so after those original conversations where we discovered that many of the issues we were trying to get fixed through our departments weren't actually things that our departments had control over because they were larger university system issues, we started trying to figure out how we could, as a group, have a say in some of these issues. And we thought about forming just kind of a graduate student club or a graduate student version of the ASUIF, the Associated Students uh, University of Alaska Fairbanks. And we realized that while we could form a club where we could talk to each other about issues and where we could raise our voices about issues, that a club like that wouldn't actually have any power to enact change or any way to make the university actually enact change when they said they would. I want to ask about that. And, and you know, if you don't know this, that's okay. It sounds like some of those issues are also decided upon, you know, by maybe administration, but also state bodies. 
like some of the fees or tuition and you know that sort of thing is that true or maybe the um the board so yeah some of these issues uh may be things that are set by the university of alaska board but uh in general most of these issues are things that are affected by the general budget that the university of alaska is working with and i think quite often when there are budget cuts like there were in 2019 before we started this discussion effort a lot of the times things that get cut or if not cut just not addressed are things that affect graduate students disproportionately graduate students could say that they were having issues but there was no system in place for them to actually have those issues addressed a union also takes into account a lot of voices as well right so when i was a graduate student there in a way i felt kind of alone you know uh, i was part of the effort that was trying to get jim johnson to leave basically to retire to show him the door and I know what you mean about not having much power and, you know, that sort of thing. And so if people come together, you know, you have a lot more power, right? So I love that about unions. That's a very simplistic idea about unions, but you don't leave just lone activists kind of out there by themselves, right? You're all getting together to do it. That's true. And another thing that's particularly an issue for students or graduate students is that the community has a high turnover rate because Mm -hmm. people are often only students for two years or four years or five years. And so one of the things that unionization gives us is an external structure that people can fill for those short periods of time, but that can be passed down between groups of students as that turnover happens. There's a there's like a continuity, right? Yes, there's an institutional continuity and a way for institutional knowledge to be passed on. Yeah, I also want to add that it's kind of a way for us to actually talk to grad students and other departments and like learn things about each other. Like especially the liberal arts people were not speaking to the people up on the hill, you know, the scientists, the geosciences, the biology. But now we are. It's really exciting to have that larger community available to graduate students because sometimes these programs are tiny. There are people in departments of two to four graduate students, and that doesn't leave you a very large community. And life in Fairbanks is hard, especially for people who come here from the lower 48, and this is the first time they're experiencing total darkness in the winters. They're experiencing negative 40 temperatures for the first time in their lives. And dry cabin life. Uh, And dry cabin life, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So this, like, it's not like, you know, what we're organizing for necessarily, but it's a byproduct of this process, and it's really exciting. It's a way to form community. Yeah, and I wanted to to, to insist a bit on that community thing. I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of the grad students right now at the university started during the pandemic, and that's that has been on top of the geographical uh, isolation that you can experience down campus or up campus. Yeah. There's been there's been a discontinuity that we still feel today, uh, whether it's at the grad level or undergrad level, uh, even even the, the advisors, even the staff people say that there's been a shift before and after pandemic. Mm. So there's this double challenge we're trying to trying to, to, to navigate into those administrative waters but also environmental 
in a sense because there's there's a difficulty to bring all the students together but also make them realize what they could have and what they don't have at the moment which is some of that and the things they have in common the issues that they are experiencing in in common yeah that's very true also, just to bring this up, um, because you know you you do have an accent. I'm I'm assuming you're not from here. When I was here before, um, there were there was a student from Siberia, mm-hmm. and she told me a little bit about there was a big separation between foreign students and American students. So she would just just stay with the foreign students, and so that is also a way I think to reach out mm-hmm. and to advocate for them because they are even in a more vulnerable position than Americans. Yeah, and thanks for, for bringing that up. And that's, so that's true. I'm, I'm, I'm a foreign student. I'm from yeah. France. And I had the occasion during my undergrad to to get into unionization efforts, but that was completely different from how it is in the U.S. It's a different system. And the interesting thing here as an international student is we have limitations due to our visas about how can we get, for example, we can't get involved into uh, the local politics uh, under specific visas. But unionization efforts are not part of that. And a lot of international students are kind of afraid to even get informed and are maybe going to hide and work with us, but hiding, be hiding a bit because they're afraid of repercussions. And so a lot of that, of that work has been to reassure students is like you are protected you you shouldn't be uh th- there shouldn't be any what is the word for it um repercussions, repercussions mm. for your civic and civil engagement into right. getting unionized yeah that's a really important bottom line is that international students have the exact same rights as citizens to unionization Okay, I was wondering why specifically you chose UAW. Uh, yeah, UAW or the United Auto Workers throws people off a little bit when you tell them that's who you're affiliating with as graduate students. But they are actually one of the unions that is growing the most in the academic sphere. They have currently over 100,000 academic workers represented in their unions, and there's many, many more efforts undergoing like ours across the country. In particular, UAW is the union that the Harvard graduate students have unionized under, also the University of California graduate students, Columbia as well as under UAW, and University of Washington. So they have uh, a lot of graduate student and other academic employee unions across the country. Yeah, and they really started helping us very early on in our campaign, like a year before we decided to affiliate with them. We met an organizer based in the University of Washington. So they just jumped right in. Yeah, we were. I think we were connected through someone who knew someone at the Harvard Graduate Student Union. Wow, yeah. awesome. Yeah, and they connected us with an organizer at University of Washington, and they yeah. offered resources and advice, and they were really responsive to us. And they were also based on the West Coast, which not every union we talked to was, and that time difference was oh, very important. Yeah. Um, a one-hour time difference is much better than a four-hour one. Yeah, totally. But yeah, they're a really active and at times militant union. I'm sure many people listening to this might have heard about the UC strike last fall. 
that was, I think, over 40,000 academic workers at the UC system went on strike together, student assistants, graduate assistants, and researchers. What did that look like? I mean, we followed it from afar, but it was massive picket lines, whole campuses, like, shut down, essentially, or like at least shut down on the research aspect um, and some of the teaching as well. They made massive gains in their their contract negotiations because of that strike. I think their base pay went up like 40%. They went from like 23,000 to 34,000, yeah. And they improved, I think, healthcare and childcare assistance along with that. But yeah, these strikes are powerful and organized labor is powerful and it can make real differences in our lives. Yeah, and now that we are affiliated with United Auto Workers, what we get from that is that they can provide us with legal assistance and they can do research for us on legal issues, how the laws in our state work. They've also, of course, had a lot of experience with all of these different stages of unionization. So they've been able to help inform us about what kind of pushback we might experience, what sort of messaging we might hear that's anti-union and how to kind of redirect that information and and so for example one of the things that one of the anti anti-union messaging things that you often comes out of university administrations is this idea that the union is this third party that's going to try and take over and it's going to try and and force you into things and they do that by saying oh well it's the union it's the UAW they're this other third party and so what it's really important to understand is that yes we are affiliated with them because they can help us with some of these legal things but the union is us the the members of the union are the union and the members of the union are the ones making the decisions all the decisions are made through democratic processes of the members voting on the issues so they've been able to help us uaw is able to provide us resources And that's the benefits that we get out of affiliating with them. But they don't actually control any of the things that we're doing. Right. And uh, it's it's always interesting when they bring up, like, they call it people from outside, right? Uh, Because that happens all the time, like in politics and that sort of thing. Politicians here bring up consultants and that sort of thing. This is not that much different than that. Right. So we have union organizers bringing resources to people who've asked for it. You all have asked for this help. Precisely. Yeah. And so they're giving it to you. Great. Wonderful. Okay. So I was part of a, a unionization effort at the University of Minnesota around 2005. Unfortunately, that effort failed. And what happened was anti union forces within the university. Like, literally, we had administrators emailing all of us, right? And if you get an email from an administrator, it's a little bit threatening. Yeah, that's, it was, it was a little bit scary. And it had a lot of misinformation. And basically, they played the science graduate students against the liberal arts graduate students. Because the science graduate students were making about twice as much as the liberal arts. And so it was a divide and conquer kind of strategy. Unfortunately, it worked. So in 2005, it failed. Now, you were just saying that they do have a union now, though. Uh, yeah, they had their car drive at the fall, the same time they did. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, I will add, yeah, the University of Minnesota um, 
unionize, I think, last fall. They had their card drive at the same time we did, and they reached a super majority of cards in a few days. Um, I think they are also actually also affiliated with UAW now, but I, I don't know where they are in the process right now. I don't know if they've had their vote yet, um, but I think they have. Great. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that, you know, that in the last 20 about 20 years that we've made a lot of improvements and I got to hand it to all these trade unions for doing that because there's always been you know kind of a a rift a class rift people who are going on to higher education and people in the trades just being real honest there right so it's nice that we're all coming together with this effort you know because we're all workers and and we need better conditions Yeah. And I was wondering if you could speak to that, the parity about pay. Yeah. So it is true that the average pay for someone in the University of Alaska system who is in the liberal arts field is lower than someone who's in the science fields. And that has to tie back to some of the external funding that is offered or is available for people in the sciences. However, As of now, the minimum pay rate for the University of Alaska for all departments is about $21 an hour. And so that does bring it closer to what the average pay rate for the science student says. Now, on the kind of concern that is brought up in anti-union messaging about, you know, the the kind of the the concern or the, the... that's brought up is that, oh, the scientists will have to make less in order for the liberal arts students to make more. Right. It's a, yeah, it's like a, it's like a scarcity model, right? Yeah. The premise there is that there's only a certain amount. And so for anyone to get more, somebody has to get less. That's not actually how these things work. And the thing to note is that because all of the decisions about whether or not to accept a negotiated contract are made by the union membership through a democratic process. If people in the union look at a proposed contract that does something they don't want it to do, makes their life worse in some way, whether that's through the amount of compensation they're getting or the type of health care they're getting or anything else like that, If there's something that makes their life worse that they don't want and the membership votes against that, then it won't happen. And so the idea that the union would force some students to take pay cuts in order to make pay raises for other students, well, students are not going to vote to accept that contract. And so it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to to, uh, come back to to all that discussion, the... the graduate students' conditions across campus are kind of a, a vital sign of how the university is doing. And there are huge dis- discrepancies between institutes. Um, mm. Engineering will, is going to make much more money than liberal arts, for example, because, well, they have projects that are bringing more money. There are different investors. And that's something that we can't really act upon. But what we have power on is the equity throughout campus. Yeah. And it's it's actually not helping anybody but to have such discrepancies but on top of that if the if those differences are actually accentuated throughout the campus then that's something that's going to ripple through every layer of that 
whole cake that the university is. And uh, well, with the pay increase, uh, luckily those some of those differences have been kind of leveled, but they are still existent. And on top of that, one of the unionization uh, big advantages uh, uh, is that we are kind of organizing and understanding how all that process works. Mm. You are a grad student, uh, let's say you have, you're in an institute and you represent some of your fellow grad students in that institute, you might want to go to admin and advocate for a better stipend and they might be able to give you that. Um, there are like this wiggling, wiggling room at multiple levels but somehow it's difficult to understand exactly where it comes from, where you can uh, bargain. Yeah. And so that huge, the huge advantage of getting all under the same banner of Agua is really to homogenize how do we organize ourselves and make sure that we all are stepping on the same ground. Yeah, it, it also, yeah, it also um, just increases transparency. I mean, we all want that, right? Mm -hmm. We have this weird thing in this culture where, you know, and workplaces have this as part of their contracts that you don't talk about each other's pay. And the reason why that is, is because people are paid sometimes less, mm -hmm. sometimes it's discriminatory, right? So, they, you know, for instance, against women, mm -hmm. you know. So more transparency is better. Here we go. Yeah, and of course there are things that we all have in common. Like we are all on the same health insurance plan and even if your department or institute is well-funded, they cannot make improvements to that. Mm. Um, that comes from the graduate school and it's going to be the same for everyone. But what I'd also like to add is, because this makes us a little bit unique among graduate student union efforts, is that this has always been a majority-led uh, STEM group of people who have been organizing and that's mostly just because of what our unit looks like. There's not a lot of liberal arts degrees offered at the university. And by STEM, you mean? Uh, STEM, I mean science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Okay. Um, but particularly here, it's been uh, science people. You know, our unit is like 400 plus people right now, um, and like 50 of them are liberal arts. So we've always been from science fields. And I would say that while pay and compensation is often kind of the first thing that people think of when they think about things that unionization could change. And it's definitely something that we're concerned about and that we are going to be active in in negotiating about. I would say all of the other things that we're concerned about combined overrun that pay and compensation piece, especially now that there has been some increase to the base pay levels. What in particular? So in addition to the issue of pay and compensation, one of the biggest issues that is brought up by graduate students is the health insurance and access to health care. Um, our health insurance is, particularly in Fairbanks, very inadequate because there are very few in-network providers in Fairbanks. Mm -hmm. And 80% of the people in our unit, 80% of the graduate students in the University of Alaska are in Fairbanks. So this creates a huge problem. And then for people who are not in either Fairbanks or Anchorage, people who are in Juneau or people who are at remote campus locations, they have almost no access to health care that's in network. Okay. So 
So when you say that, um, people would have to go like to Anchorage or to even Seattle to get health care. Is that what you mean? That or they would have to pay the out-of-network rates, which are way, way higher than the in-network rates. For instance, there are no in-network orthopedic surgeons in Fairbanks. Mm. That means anybody who breaks a bone in Fairbanks has to go to an out-of-network provider. Yeah. Yeah. So I broke my ankle last fall, and I've had over a year of fighting with the insurance company about trying to get the healthcare provided that they say they will provide at an in-network rate that they say they will provide, even though the provider is out of network because there are no in-network options in town. Wow. And for a graduate student who's so busy, right? Because y'all are, you know, when you're a graduate student, you're doing several jobs. It's not just that you're a student or whatever. Often people are doing research, they're teaching, they have uh, programs that they're running on this campus. There's so many things that you're grading, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to deal with these kind of legalistic things with your insurance. That just sounds really draining and horrible. Oh, absolutely. And also, somebody who is sick or injured definitely has extra bandwidth to mm. fight with insurance. Mm. Not really. Yeah. So there's the healthcare issue. There's also issues, other issues that are, again, are across all students, regardless of department. So there's the issue of the fees that we pay. Mm-hmm. And not only the amount that those fees are, the actual price of those fees, but the deadline of when they're due. Fees are due before the first paycheck of the semester. Mm. Now that's a problem for every grad student, but especially for new grad students who have just moved up here and they already have a whole bunch of costs associated with that move. And before they get their first paycheck, they are asked to pay over $1,000 in fees. So I can keep it brief, but I, I arrived in Fairbanks in the middle of December, 2020. Um, and I was staying at a friend's on South Cushman without a car, uh, oh. so it was it was a great moment to be to be there. Um, the, that I, I had to wait a month and a half before getting my first paycheck. And it came to the point that I mean, my advisor and friends were saying to me, "Just say the word, and tomorrow you'll have food in food in front of your mm. in front of your door." So luckily for me, I had anticipated a bit. Uh, but that's the situation. I'm lucky. I come. I come from France. I, I if we have students coming from other countries, from much further away, and definitely with also a uh, different financial situation. Right. So it's putting a stress on those people and on all of us. While actually there might be solutions. And again, the, we are not we are not fighting against the university just because we want to pick a fight. It's also helping everybody try and figure out a situation that could be diffused without having to go through frustration and sometimes a danger for some people. And that's going to help the work that the university is doing. That's going to help you do better work. That's going to help the undergraduates as well that you're teaching and mentoring, et cetera, all of that stuff. I got to say, I'm going to hand it to you for in a second because I can tell you want to say something. Um, when I was a grad, when I was a graduate student here, I left right after COVID started because I was doing some community work and I was kind of sick of the university. Frankly, I had some stuff going on here, but some students 
decided to organize like a food bank on campus, mm -hmm. okay, which is wonderful. They took that mutual aid, and, you know, effort and, and helped out fellow students. But why do we have a food bank on campus, you know? Mm -hmm because there's such a need mm -hmm. and because people are hiding their poverty and not eating. Yeah. Like I knew a guy from the Netherlands who was thin, thin as rail, tall, and losing weight. That's a bad situation, okay? Yeah, no, um, yeah, I've known multiple graduate students in my time here who have either gone without food when they needed to eat or they've uh, utilized various food banks um, in our community. But I wanted to add that like people often assume because our titles are like teaching assistant or research assistant that we are uh, assistants. But I was a TA for three years and I ran my own classroom. There was nobody else in that classroom. There was nobody else even listed as teaching my class in the UA online system. I was the primary instructor through and through. And if I don't have safe housing, if I don't have access to food, access to healthcare, then I'm not able to teach my undergrad students. And that worsens their experience, that worsens their education. And of course, that's incredibly detrimental to the graduate students who are doing this work. We're not, we're not trainees. We are full employees of the university. This also ties into recruitment of graduate students and recruitment of people to come up to the University of Alaska. And when people are recruited from the outside, from the lower 48 or from other countries to come to Alaska, that's really benefiting the state and the university. And so, you know, our graduate students graduate and they go into industries in Alaska often because people who are attracted to Alaska are attracted to Alaska right. and they want to stay here. But if if the university, if what the university is providing is not enough to get them through that education, they're not going to come up here in the first place. And so improving these things for graduate students improves our recruitment of graduate students, which improves the number and quality of people that we can graduate from the university and put out into the community here in Alaska. In fact, the chancellor has put this goal of turning the University of Alaska into a tier one research institution. And one of the big things that's needed for that to happen is for our recruitment and retention of graduate students to increase by something like 25%. With the way things currently stand, the level of pay we currently have, the level of healthcare we currently have, the kinds of housing conditions that we currently have available for people, that's simply not possible. Yeah. Yeah, there's um, that interesting thing with the university, which is uh, first, I mean, I really love this university. It's really great to be able to study here in such a remote place. At the same time, there's the feeling that people have been maybe expecting students to rely, rely a bit too much on that feeling of being grateful, of mm. just being here and accepting like. Oh, you don't live in dry cabin, but that's uh, you don't want a dry cabin. That's the the you know the thing you go through to be a grad student up here. It's like I'm interested in going outside in putty house at minus forty. But anyway, that makes for fun <laughs> stories, I guess. The the thing is, the University of Alaska is surprisingly good because of the location. The amount of money that gets in, like Abigail was talking about, that the um, 
classification, getting into a new classification for the university, tier one research university. If you look at the other tier two universities, which is the category uh, you, University of Alaska is in right now, we invest from 10 to 20 times the amount of money in research than other universities at the same tier. At the same time, we are less diverse because uh, of the amount of degrees that get a lot of degrees come from the STEM field. Um, we need more in humanities, for example. But all of that is the University of Alaska has a lot of great cards to play. And in order to be able to attract more people, we have to step up our game of representation, of advantages. We have to make it more attractive than just relying on the fact that it's Alaska, it's cool. And I'm very oversimplifying, of course, but a lot of issues that we are facing right now can be solved and should be solved by grouping together and working together with the university, which is what we are trying to do, honestly, right here. Yeah. So in that unionization effort that I was talking about in Minnesota, um, there was an issue brought up that somehow there would be enmity between graduate students and their advisors or their committees and et cetera. And uh, I was wondering if you could speak to that sort of misinformation. Yeah, I mean, we obviously cannot speak for every faculty member at the university, um, but we can say that So far, we have largely been supported by our faculty. I think that's because, unlike other universities, our faculty are unionized, um, which is awesome for them, um, and I think has really helped them survive the recent cuts and changes at the University of Alaska. But our faculty union has been immensely helpful in helping us get the word out and helping us with our legal battles, even, and just being a resource for us during this time. And I think most faculty know that they cannot recruit the best graduate students under these current conditions. And if those don't change, they're not going to be able to recruit new uh, graduate students to work in their labs or to work under them as their committees as advisors. Yeah, and as far as the support we've gotten from the faculty, the University of Alaska Anchorage Faculty Senate voted 83% in favor of a uh, statement, uh, what was it called? A statement of support. A statement of support for our unionization effort. And the UAF Faculty Senate voted 97% in favor of that. So (laughs) this idea that that somehow the faculty don't want us to, to unionize or it will cause bad blood in general, again, like KJ said, we can't speak for every single faculty member, but in general, we're just not seeing evidence that that would be true. The other thing is that if there were bad blood between a graduate student and a faculty member, one of the many things that the unionization effort can do is to implement, bargain for, and implement protection measures for when there are conflicts between graduate students and their advisors. Currently, there are grievance procedures in place through the university, but those grievance procedures end with the university. It's the university who makes the decisions and, and decides how any grievance is, is solved. And so with collective bargaining, we can bargain for things like having a neutral third party to finalize decisions or having very clear progressions and timelines for getting grievances dealt with, which is currently not something we have. Okay, so we've talked about a bit of the history as well as 
what you what you would like to happen, uh, the kind of bargaining you'd like to do, the kind of results. What else is in the future? What 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 other things are you planning to do? So most immediately in October, we have a vote coming up. So that'll be October 13th through 26th. And all graduate student research assistants, teaching assistants, servants engagement assistants, student assistants, and graduate student fellows will be eligible to vote on this unionization issue, whether or not to form this union to start collective bargaining. And so we're really looking forward to that vote, and we are very confident that we have very strong support from the graduate student community for this vote. Uh, Additionally, yeah, we will be sending out a bargaining issues survey where students can give us feedback about the issues that are most important to them and that they most want to see on the collective bargaining agreements. We're also starting to work with the undergraduates employees at the University of Alaska. There's a strong cohort of them who have shown interest in unionizing themselves. So we're working on starting that effort off and gathering support for an undergraduate employee union. And we're also talking to some of the staff members about the possibility of a staff unionization effort. All right. I got to say, I love that. I love that you are sort of bringing your successes in organizing out to other groups. That's really a justice issue. Thank you for doing that, especially, I got to say, especially for the staff, right? Because they're there, they're cleaning up after everybody, they're often overlooked. You know, nobody, you know, hardly anybody knows their names, but they are so vital. They're absolutely vital to the running of the university. So thank you so much. Yeah, we've we struggled with the university for a long time about a unit for our bargaining unit. And initially, we were supposed to also include undergrad employees who are academic student employees, so like tutors, uh, TAs, researchers, essentially. But it became apparent through that position that the only way undergrads could be unionized is if you unionized every undergrad student employee at the university. And likewise, when we filed our second petition, our unit almost included some staff, but they fought us really, really hard on that in settlement. And there was no settlement that was possible with any staff members in it. But we have been having conversations with people as like part of both of those things. And we really, I think we're stronger together. Like we as graduate students will benefit if our staff are unionized, will benefit if our undergrads are unionized. And they're not like, the undergrad employees make such little money for what they do. And they're doing specialized work at times and they're making $10 an hour doing something that anyone else would be getting like 20 plus for. And the staff are also a routinely mistreated group at this university. My partner is a staff member and she found out she had five days of parental leave and was like, oh my God, what the hell? Five days. Yeah, five days of paid parental leave and everything else is up to you. Yeah, when I was an undergraduate here, there were undergraduates like myself who were TAs in classes, right? And then also I had colleagues who were in my cohort of geologists who were involved in research. They were doing graduate level work. 
But yeah, if you are a University of Alaska employee in any context, besides, I guess, the faculty and adjuncts who are already unionized, please feel free to reach out to us and talk to us. We want to have these organizing conversations. We want to help however we can. You can reach us at organize.agwa, A-G-W-A, at gmail.com is the easiest way to get in touch with us. But you can also message us on our Facebook or Twitter pages if that's more convenient. Yeah, I, I just wanted to reiterate that that whole process really went through multiple challenges and is finally getting something extremely concrete. Um, and now we are waiting for students to do their part of the deal and show up in numbers to vote. And, and we are going to be in a much better position to start taking matters into our own hands and decide for ourselves what we want to do. And once you all have some successes, the other groups might see that and then want to organize as well. Bring us home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we're really looking forward to that vote on the unionization. Again, that's October 13th through 26th. And we were really excited that the university did not fight against having a vote uh, electronically. First in Alaska. So this will be the first electronic union vote in Alaska. And so people who are in the unit, that's RAs, TAs, graduate student fellows, uh, student assistants, if you're in the unit, you'll be getting an email from IntelliVote Electronic Voting System. And that will have the instructions for how to submit your vote between those dates of October 13th and 26th. Yeah, if you want more information about this unionization effort or about AGWA UAW, uh, you can go to our website, which is aguauaw.org. That's A-G-W-A-U-A-W.org. And on that website, we have information about our history. We have a roadmap for what comes next. We have pages about the various issues that we see graduate students facing. And we have voter information, frequently asked questions page, all that kind of stuff. Great. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this interview. I feel like I really learned a lot. And I'm so heartened that these union efforts of graduate students are working. It's great. It, I, it unites people across class and across industries, et cetera. You know, one big union, <laughs> right? <laughs> Get a little plug for the IWW there. Um, <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. Thank you for taking uh, time away from your busy schedules because everything's starting up right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope your effort to start a union starts up. Mm-hmm. Right. Come out and vote, y'all. You see that link in your, in your email. Click on it and then uh, vote. Vote, you, vote for, your, for your interest and for the interest of other students at University of Alaska. All right. And once again, this is Shane Brody. My show is Fairbanks Public Affairs, and I'm always looking for interviewees. So if you have something you'd like to talk about that has to do with Fairbanks or our borough or Alaska in general, contact me. Once again, my contact information is s-h-a-n-e at k-w-r-k dot o-r-g. All right. Thanks, y'all.